1: we're taking a little break here at SciShow Tangents until the new year. So what you're about to hear is an episode from our back catalog, but we're going to mix it up a little bit. So every week we get a bunch of great listener questions, but we only answer one of those questions because we only have time for one. So in this episode, we have recorded a whole new Ask the Science Couch with a whole new listener question. And on top of that, there's a new but one more thing, but fact. So you can be sure to listen all the way to the end if you want to hear that. Of course you do. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I'm joined by Stefan Chin. Hello. Stefan, what's your favorite kind of hot dog? Ooh, just a normal one mm-hmm.
2: you just like actually well okay costco? the costco <laughs> hot dogs <Yes! laughs> and you put a little onion on there and some oh, extra wow. some, and you bring your own cayenne pepper and just As dust do just, a light dusting yeah we just lost a bunch of listeners Ooh. what's your tagline <laughs> what's the point of firm
1: tofu sam schultz is here too what's up sam yep what's your tagline
3: i need a blankie. That's my tagline. You got one right behind you. Oh shit. I knew <laughs> <laughs> Sari Riley's here as well. Yep. What's your
0: tagline? Hot dog gremlin.
1: Ooh. He eats all the hot dogs. Yeah.
2: Well,
0: I he's guess. made of
1: hot dogs. Or Ooh.
0: that's who you send
1: to fetch your hot dogs.
0: Ooh. I think he's the off-brand hamburglar.
1: <laughs> 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 and I'm in green. My tagline is pink tomatoes. Oh. Every week, we get together here on SciShow Tangents to try to one-up a maze and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding Sam Bucks from week to week. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but we probably won't be great at it. So if the rest of the team deems your tangent unworthy, we will force you to give up one of your Sam Bucks. So tangent with care. And now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with a traditional science poem this week from Stefan. Photons
2: hurling through space at speed, giving me life, warmth, and vitamin D. Everything that we know just couldn't be without the sparkle that the sun continuously sets free. Oh, yeah. Light is the only way that darkness can be cured, even if the physics can be quite absurd. Is it oscillating particles or waves? I'm not sure. I mean, two slits tells us it's both. At least that's what I heard. (laughs) But the vastness of space is no challenge to transcend at a uniform speed that's hard to comprehend. But then to a prism it concedes and must bend. A rainbow just reminds us that light is our friend. A lamp for my plants, a bright white to mesmerize. And I couldn't see France without light hitting my eyes. (laughs) Helping us study microbes and those little points in the sky. Touching everything always. Light was quite a pleasant surprise.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. I was very surprised the first time I saw. You come
2: out. I guess. You open your eyes for the first time. Whoa, it's bright. Ah! What a surprise. But it's Ah! a good one. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That was a good poem. Thank you. That's all I got on that one. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was long. You worked on it.
3: Yeah, we don't have any time to talk about it. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> Sari, what is light?
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Visible light is generally defined as having wavelengths from 400 to 700 nanometers. And then there's infrared, which is longer than that. Mm-hmm. And ultraviolet, which is shorter than that, which is just outside the realm of human vision mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. so do we is it defined by like what we can see or like what animal any animal could see like there's it's a range. It's defined by
0: what we could
1: see by what mm-hmm. humans okay. can see so yeah. other animals so when can we f- see outside of that range
2: when we see when we say light
1: we mean visible light generally yeah. okay
0: generally yeah yeah like the the thing that we can perceive
1: okay so it is definitely like it doesn't come down to a scientific thing so much as it comes down to like human perception mm-hmm. which is You know, certainly affected by science, but that range is just what we can see. And it turns out, like, there's reasons why we can see that range. And largely it's because that's the sort of most of the wavelengths that are around on Earth. The rest of them get either not emitted by the sun at all or they get absorbed by one thing or another on their way to us. mm -hmm. So that's the sort of like the window where the with the best range of stuff. But there's other reasons why, too. And I don't know what they are. There's like biochemical reasons why these are better Uh, wavelengths to see than some other broader ones. I would just imagine that it's like those are the ones that help you navigate the space that you're in. They're more plentiful and, and there's a lot of variety. So there are things within that range that absorb or emit in that range. And so you get of this variety that we can see and that's like better differentiate the
3: visible plane. But bees are like, I don't need to see all that. I just need to see flowers really good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So light seems pretty simple then.
1: (laughs) No. It's it's really, Yeah, I mean, that, that, what the visible spectrum is, is not super complicated in terms of just like, this is just the window.
0: Once you start getting into like the mathy stuff. What is a photon? mm. Why? Why? Like God, different Why frequencies, different wavelengths, different intensities of light. Yeah. Polarization of light, refraction oh, yeah. oh, of light. Boy. I'm just gonna say more sciencey <laughs> words that uh-huh. I don't really know how to define uh-huh. because that is where light gets confusing. And we also need light for biology things. So, like, photosynthesis oh, right. is a light-dependent mm-hmm. reaction. Mm. Where Sure, of
3: course. Putting sun on your butt. That's correct. it yeah. helps with things, right? What? <laughs> what? Putting sun on your butt. No. <laughs>
0: nice.
3: oh, People put oh, oh, sun
1: in their butts. Why? On Instagram. Because it
3: helps align to... some stuff. No, it doesn't help <laughs> align
1: some stuff. They what say that it? it's like, it gives you, like, a full day's dose of vitamin D just to oh. put your butt up to the sun for, for five minutes. Oh,
0: I feel like... That has an assumption that your butt is like more absorbent of light than the rest of your body, and that we're doing a crime by hiding it in pants. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we are doing it a crime. I mean, yeah, that's the butt just, is the, yeah, that's the natural powerhouse of like, the body. This is so transparent to me that that person was like, "Oh, I'm going to get a bunch of people paying attention to me if I shine my
3: butthole."
0: Wait, is it butt or butthole? It's butthole.
3: butthole. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, that makes sense. parent. <laughs> Perineum? perineum that's called yeah. Anyway, why?
1: <laughs> yeah, Caribbean, Caribbean, Perineum, Perineum. <laughs> both is correct. Really? I think Perineum and Perineum are both correct, yes. Oh. Same with Caribbean and
3: Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Pirates of the Perineum. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but you kept saying it over and over
0: <laughs> Light's etymology is kind of boring.
3: Ooh. Okay. <laughs> is it like I bone? Mean, it just means the thing?
0: <laughs> yeah, my guess is that Light existed. We had to have something to describe sure. why it was bright half the day <laughs> and not so like light as a word. Uh-huh. So it comes from the Latin lux for light, for light, mm. Greek leukos for white. Mm.
2: Okay, it is strange to me that we think of light as white, like it's usually yellowish or transparent, sort
1: of.
3: Sun's white, right? Mm. Yeah, the
1: sun's well, the sun, if you're outside if you look- of our atmosphere, the sun is totally white from our view, it's a little bit yellow. Because of because some wavelengths are getting scattered around. The blue ones, is why the sky is blue. Right. Mm-hmm. Makes, the, makes the sun yellow.
3: I haven't taken a good look at the sun in a while. <laughs> don't,
1: don't. Don't. do it. <laughs> oh, okay. And now it's time for <laughs> Truth Where one of our panelists has prepared three science facts for your education and enjoyment. But only one of those facts is real. The other two are lies. And the other panelists have to decide which is the truth and the lie. And if you get it right, you get a sandbox. I... I am the purveyor of today's lies. My name is Hank, and I want to tell you about optogenetics. Basically, genetically modifying cells to do specific things when exposed to light or different wavelengths of light, even. And it's a super powerful tool that's opened up a lot of doors in the last five years specifically. And it's a really exciting new thing. So which of the following is a real-life application for optogenetics that has been tested in laboratories? Fact number one, a system called EROS, which stands for Erectile Optogenetic Uh Stimulator, which uses light to stimulate erections in rats— or a system called MOSE, which stands for mouse zone exploration, which uses implanted fiber optic lights that scientists could use to affect a mouse's decision as it moved through a maze. Mice guided by the MOSE implants, controlled by scientists, solve the maze 30% faster than those who are not guided. Or fact number three, a system called FRESH, which stands for fly red stimulated hunger that uses red light to drive fruit flies away from rotting fruits that they like to eat, and weirdly had the side effect of making males apparently disinterested in sex. I
3: feel like if it involves a boner, it's real.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
3: People oh, are very interested true. People in
2: want, a, want that boner technology. Yeah.
0: I don't think you'd want boner technology to shine light on your head, would you?
3: Look, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah.
0: I didn't say that it was now. in in your head.
3: Interesting hint. How else?
0: Light on the dick.
1: <laughs> Daylight bulbs
2: right on the inside of your pants, nestled up against the perineum. Now that sounds warm. That's way easier that than me. filming yourself Oh, the actually,
1: yard. we could totally sell that. Just like LEDs in your Underwear. underpants, <laughs> blue daylights. Yeah, great new vitamin D creation. <laughs>
3: what is a sunlight carrying with it that light from a light bulb is not carrying with it that Gives you cancer and stuff. UV radiation. Yeah. Okay. That just comes from the sun. And yeah. that's what mm-hmm. I should have known that probably. And now I do. <laughs> <What's>
1: <laughs> we learn here. Yeah, hey, we do. Not helpful for your ability no. to tell which one is oh, true. Yes. No. That's
0: because I have no idea which one is true. All yeah. of these sound well, like acronyms you know. that scientists would come up with because they like fun words.
1: I do
2: feel like the fruit fly one. That one feels the fakest to me. Which only narrows it down a little bit. Because I feel like over the course of like doing these podcasts and like Beyonce, I've heard about mice getting light sh- shined into their brains to do different things. But I've never heard about
3: flies. But I think the flies are just getting exposed to light in not just their brain.
1: Genetically, they modified the entire fly. <sighs> oh my God. So that they um, shine red light on it and it changes like how their hormones are expressing.
0: That one is realistic to me just because it's so like relatively easy to modify a oh, fruit fly no. gene.
1: But if they're not in the light, do they still want that fruit? If they're not in the light, they want the fruit again. Yeah. Mm. So you turn the red light on and they're like, "I'm don't want to eat, but I'm very hungry and okay. suddenly I also don't want sex." This one's really hard. This, one's this is hard. really
0: hard. Yeah. They're good
1: all job. I guess.
0: Okay, two of them are sex. One of them is not. Uh, one of
1: them's
2: <laughs> towards sex and one is away from sex. Yes. That's true. Yeah. So I'll go with the boners. Just <laughs> it's gonna go for the boners. What do you think about the mice zone
0: one? That one seems I'm like torn between that and the fruit flies. Mm. I
3: don't think I can go with that one. Oh. I think I'm going to go with the mouse zone. Mouse zone for Sam?
0: Okay, I'm going to do mouse zone too. <gasps> I'm going to trust you about the fruit flies, Sam.
3: Ooh. Oh my god. Well, don't fruit blame it on me. Fruit flies
0: is fake.
1: Okay. Mouse zone is fake. It's boners Bone everybody. Oh, no. It's boners, everybody. Boners never let me down. You should have gone with, <laughs> you should've should've gone gone with your my Yeah. Scientists used optogenetics to create a blue light responsive control over cyclic guanosine monophosphate in the corpora cavernosa, which is the erectile tissue. That's one of the main messengers involved in erections. And when they mm. shined blue light on the rats— so not on their brains, huh. but uh, like you just it was like through their blue, skin.
2: Turn on a mood light. They could wear yeah. the underwear. It
1: worked. <gasps> yeah. So one of the reasons is like, yes, there's a lot of money in boners, <laughs> but the second is that this is a really clear signal. Like you know when it's mm. working um, mm-hmm. yeah. because like you can see it's, an it's easy, like an on-off switch. You yeah. can see when the boner is happening and not happening.
0: Yeah, but. a literal on-off switch. Yeah, we're turned on now. <laughs> do, they,
1: do they have to be seeing the light? Or... No, I think it's through the skin. Whoa. And uh, number two, the the maze thing. There is a thing where basically scientists have been able to like have one mouse go through a thing while wearing a, th- a thing on its head. And then they can like program that knowledge into another mouse. Uh, yeah. I don't like that. So that's Weird. what this was based on. But huh. that's not a thing. They couldn't yeah. like tell it to go left or right. Which I feel like they should. They could. Yeah. They yeah. could. Mm-hmm. They just haven't done that yeah. yet. And then the red stimulated hunger thing, um, that was made up. But there is a cool thing where. Male fruit flies, their their brain circuits are first activated by smelling fruit before they begin to detect female pheromones. So they kind of have to like smell rotting fruit before they can get it on, which is interesting.
2: For a fruit fly, that makes sense.
1: And uh, optogenetics has been used to control drosophila courtship and sleep cycles. So there is optogenetic research on drosophila, Hmm. but not this.
3: Is because they gotta lay their eggs somewhere where their babies are gonna have rotten fruit? Maybe, to
1: eat? yeah. They do like, yeah, they that's a good point. Interesting. They just like literally can't detect female hormones until they smell rotting fruit first. That's really cool yeah.
3: and gross. <laughs> this is not how it works
1: for us, but it's great. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that means I get two points. That one was too uh.
3: science-y. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Next up we're gonna take a short break, and then it'll be time for the fact off.
0: Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S.
3: SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as a... (laughs) The internet science man was opening an online store, something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you would do in a billion years. I was uh,
1: making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? Oh, the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow. I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? (laughs) Good. Here's what I'll tell you. Like the, 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 the part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like, you uh by yourself you gotta be careful but luckily (laughs) shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that to help you with increasing conversions to help you with managing orders with customer support with all of the stuff uh because it's a you know i don't know it feels like the industry standard and so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your shopify work for you in particular
3: That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall.
1: Now, it was my basement.
3: It was my basement (laughs) of my own home that I was renting (laughs) downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with shopify
0: you can sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents all lowercase tangents go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash t-a-n-g-e-n-t-s all lowercase
1: Welcome back, everybody. Sam Buck totals. Sari and Sam are tied with zero, and Stefan and I are in the lead with two. <sighs>
3: feels good, huh?
1: It's going to be hard oh, to catch great. us. <laughs> Impossible,
2: we have even. infinite percent more points than you.
1: Now get ready for the Fact Off, where two panelists have brought science facts to present to the rest of us in an attempt to blow our minds, and we each have a sandbuck to award to the fact we like the most. Who's going to go first? Well, whoever is closest wins. Deep-sea creatures live below the photic zone, or sunlit zone, but it's not totally dark down there thanks to bioluminescence. About what percentage of the main t- of deep sea animals produce light. 80. We got 80. Oh goodness. Uh s- 75. Okay, 75. 76 ah, <laughs> I helped you go high. <laughs> to
3: uh, let you I was like gonna three. say like
1: 03 percent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ultimately, nobody got a point for that, and you don't get to go first, yeah. which isn't
3: so bad.
0: That's true. Oh, well, okay.
3: <laughs> I thought you got to pick
0: now. Oh, yeah, yeah. you can pick.
3: Yeah, you want to pick? Oh, I get to pick. Yeah, yeah. I'll go first. <laughs> During the Apollo program, there were, if you think of the image of the Apollo program, it's a bunch of people sitting in a room. It's the 60s. They're mm-hmm. looking up at a big screen that mm-hmm. has a live image of the astronauts fluttering around in space projected onto it. But how the heck did they get that that big picture up there? Because CRT projectors, which are the old type of projectors with the red, green, and blue lenses, couldn't project that big. Like tube TVs couldn't get that big. There were film projectors, but they weren't like printing this live footage onto film and right. then playing it out really big. So how did they do it? The answer is the Ida-4, which is a high-quality live image projector invented in the early 40s by Fritz Fischer, who was a Swedish physicist. And, like, basically everything invented before things went digital, it was super complicated, super weird, and used physics in wild ways to solve problems that we just make computers do now. <laughs> so how it worked was a, a live video feed was fed into an electron gun, which translated the image into an electron beam, and then they would shoot the beam onto a mirror that had a one micron thick, Coating of oil. Oh, so oh. the electrons would hit the oil and they would deform the oil. So, like, let's say it's a black and white image, each little gradient between black and white would hit and deform it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So, the more white it was, the more it would deform the oil. Then a light was shined onto the mirror, and wherever the electrons hit the oil, The light would bend it just enough to get past this barrier inside of it between the light and the lens. Every bit of light that hit a part of the oil that was deformed bounced just barely enough that it could get between the cracks in this barrier. There were like little cracks in the barrier. And everything that just bounced straight off hit the barrier. So that became like the black in the image. Mm. And while this was all happening, the mirror was rotating Because once the oil got hit by the electrons, it couldn't be hit again because it was already bent up. So there was a squeegee that it would rotate (laughs) under that would smooth the oil back out so that the electron beam could shoot it How often? I think somebody said it rotated once every 24 hours. The squeegee? The mirror would do one full rotation. Oh. So it was like really big. really slow? Really big and really slow because I guess the electrons were making really tiny dense electrons mm. are tiny they're very <laughs> small
0: <laughs> we got
1: no one thing
0: checks out.
3: <laughs> so all this was happening in a climate controlled vacuum chamber because oh. the oil had to be just exactly the right temperature and the electrons had to be in a vacuum too and to do color you'd have to have three of these all lined up perfectly mm. shooting at the same time oh. Uh, Each one cost $2 million about, and they broke, if anything went wrong with the oil, you had to like take the whole thing apart and re-oil it and do all kinds of stuff to it. And they weighed literally one ton, but they could do huge live projections that were like 40 by 50 feet, and they were super bright, way brighter than anything else at the time. So they were used in sports stadiums, concert venues, Mm. and theaters everywhere from the 40s until the 90s when digital... Projectors were invented. And there are lots of people talking about them on forums and stuff, but as far as anybody knows, there aren't any of them left that are operational Uh and they're redoing right now the control room at the for the apollo program Uh but they're not redoing those they're just using digital projections now so it's like a totally dead technology how hard is it to do something one
2: micron thick like is should i be impressed that they were able to do that in the 40s
1: well especially that they could squee. they had like squeegee (laughs) it on at one micron thick once the little divot was made did it just stay there?
3: It stayed there until it like, got squeegeed off. Okay. So, yes. Was
2: so the
1: squeegee it wiping off the oil, or is it
3: like it a sandbox it. where you smooth it
2: over? Yeah. sandbox. Okay.
0: So, a human hair is about 75 microns across. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. Very small.
1: Yeah. You're not cooking on this disc.
2: No.
0: <laughs> not enough oil for that. No.
3: All right. <laughs> Probably a mineral oil, this would be my no. guess. Not, not uh, a yeah i think it was like proprietary i couldn't figure out what it <laughs> special, was special i think oil. only this dude's company was making them so wow. i'm pretty sure only he knew that's uh, awesome just from his like face he's just wiping his face <laughs> yeah he had the like,
2: perfect uh. face oil.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no one else
3: can make it
0: <laughs> were there other projection systems being used or was this like in every single sport this was stadium? the only like,
3: thing that could do big projections Until the 90s. There were, like, CRT projections, which just had, a like, a two TV inside, basically, from what I could tell, that then shot out the three colors, but they couldn't get any bigger than some certain size before the scan lines or whatever were too big. Mm -hmm. So if you saw, like, a big live projection before the 90s, that's probably what it was, Hmm. as far as I can tell.
1: I think that they had some LED stuff that they were doing before the
3: '90s. Oh, but okay.
1: I'm old enough now that like, what I when I like went to sports games when I was a kid, like if they used that stuff now, still we'd be like, "What is this trash?" <laughs> and we were like, "This is amazing! You can look at the th- replays up on the jumbotron." Uh huh.
3: All old TV stuff. How could you watch sports on just a regular?
1: TV? Oh my TV? god! Yeah.
3: It's so much better now. Mm -hmm. Thanks, technology. Now
1: we can enjoy sports better. Sari, can you beat the Edafor?
0: The Shelby Electric Company in Shelby, Ohio, was a manufacturing company that was established in 1896 and went out of business in 1912. So they didn't last very long. But when they were still operational, they made light bulbs out of hand-blown glass. And specifically, they made incandescent bulbs, which run an electric current through a metal filament so that it glows and it produces heat Mm -hmm. and light. And then the glass keeps oxygen from reaching the wire so it doesn't oxidize and break down. And the Shelby Electric Company made a variety of bulbs, including a 60-watt model with a carbon-containing filament made by a secret process. Nowadays, bulbs have tungsten filaments, which is a conductor, but this mysterious carbon filament was a semiconductor and also eight times thicker than modern light bulbs. Okay. The reason why this company is important is because there's something called the Centennial Light, which is a light bulb that has been based Continuously lit up since June 1901, over 118 mm. years. It is located in Livermore, California, and maintained by the fire department. And you can watch it on a live stream. There's like a you can see <laughs> oh, no. it lit up. It had a million hours party. in 2001 because it's been lit up for so long besides like weird power outages or like one time when someone was watching the stream and they were like the light bulb went out they thought it was broken but it was actually like a generator that messed up right Uh, just um, not
3: getting power yeah so they're not flipping the switch on and off mm -mm. when they leave okay
0: no. So it's still on. And it's instead of 60 watts, which is like the estimated start output of it, it's at about four watts now. Oh. So like very dim mm. nightlight.
1: Why is it decreasing
0: in brightness? I have no idea. So. Something to do with like the decay of the universe, maybe in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Physicists have like studied this to be like, why is this light bulb on for so long? Mm-hmm. Studied similar models and... I couldn't understand uh, why. Yeah. So there there might be some ideas, like the semiconductor material. But that's where my understanding of physics gets wibbly. And some people are just like, it could be a manufacturing fluke. Because these light bulbs are all hand-blown, like something about the combination of the metal and the glass like just made this super bulb. Mm-hmm. But also, another contributing factor is something called planned obsolescence, mm-hmm. which is the sort of stuff conspiracy theories are made of. Big light bulb. So companies like GE, Philips, Tokyo Electric, Germany's Osram, France's Comagnie de, des Lamps, or something—I can't. Speak
3: <laughs> kind of beautiful, yeah. yeah France's a
1: beautiful lamp language. company.
0: Lamp company <laughs> <laughs> formed the Phoebus cartel and met in December oh. 1924 to increase light bulb sales by bringing down the lifespan of light bulbs. They used to last are uh, over like 2,500 hours, mm-hmm. and then they all these big light bulb people met. And said, we only want our light bulbs to last a thousand hours. And they, like, really regulated factories so that Mm -hmm. they did that. And then they, like, divided up the world into market zones and set sales quotas. Yeah,
1: that's exactly the kind of thing that is definitely illegal.
0: (laughs) It. Is wa- they disbanded in the nineteen thirties, but like planned obsolescence still affects light bulbs and, and is now like the basis for a lot of other tech speculation of like bat smartphone batteries. Like mm-hmm. is planned obsolescence a thing to make mm. us buy new phones?
1: There's also the conspiracy theory that they all know how to cure cancer, but won't tell us because if they mm. cure it, there's no money to be made.
0: Anyway, I hate it. I want like a really old light bulb in my house. I don't care if it's dim, but I want to be like, this light bulb was passed down for generations. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> it's
1: extremely inefficient. Yeah. yeah.
3: Is turning a light bulb on and off damage the light bulb in a in, Well, yeah, in a I don't know. Okay.
0: There is, like, some speculation about that. I couldn't find anything for certain, but... Um... Like,
1: you know, I think it's going to expand and contract. Mm-hmm. And, like, the glass is going to expand and contract when it right. gets hot and cold. And it's probably not producing a ton of heat at this point either mm-hmm. because it's so dim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, it's time to choose, everybody. Are you ready to choose, Stefan? Yeah, I think so. One... Two, three,
2: Sammy. Sam. Oh, thank you. I can't resist a cartel. <laughs> no,
1: literally, that's yeah, what they're for. Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Easily pressured.
1: And now it's time to ask the science couch where we ask listener questions to our couch of finally honed scientific minds, but this time, from the future. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we We're here in 2020, older and wiser. This question is from Joseph J. Nathan. How are LEDs so much more efficient than incandescent bulbs? Uh, hmm. If I want to answer this one, if I just want to like yank this one out of my butt, I feel like I could do something with it. Should I try, Sari?
0: I think you should try because I, after starting to research this question, I realized how little I knew about light bulbs where I was like, oh, <laughs> they work. And then I started researching it and I was like, Oh,
1: the idea of an incandescent bulb is that like you can get a wire really hot and it will glow like hot things glow. We know this. You can watch your electric stove do it. But if you get a a thin enough thing of a certain kind of material hot enough, it will glow. But this is about making a thing intentionally hot. It has to be hot in order to glow. Hmm. And so you are doing a lot of heating, which if, you, if you've if you ever had a 100-watt light bulb in your life, you know that they are hot and you cannot just touch them. In fact, I almost burned my dorm room down once. On LED, like the thing it does is make light, whereas the thing uh, incandescent light does is heat. It is there to get hot so that it will glow, whereas LED lights are there to glow, and that is basically all they do and like heat heat is produced a little bit because of inefficiency but if it were a perfectly efficient
3: led it would produce no heat and all light i guess i just don't understand how it can make visible light and not make any kind of heat
0: you could also think of it as like an incandescent bulb is like like the jankiest way you can make light
1: burning stuff is number 1
0: <laughs> burning stuff is number 1 but it's not far <laughs> removed from that we don't know how to make something emit photons besides mm. getting it really super hot And Uh choosing a metal that won't melt at that temperature because Mm -hmm. like some metals, when they heat, they glow red hot and then they start melting and gooping off. And so it's like, we're going to find a metal that doesn't become goopy. And instead we can heat so hot that it doesn't only emit infrared light, which is like heat with heat vision goggles, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it also emits visible light. And so we're just going to like blast as much current through and make it really hot. So LEDs are an electronic component. Like LED stands for a light emitting diode. Mm-hmm. And a diode is something that you can include in a circuit if you want. Like it's involved in a lot of different electronics besides light bulbs. And it acts as a one-way switch. It's a semiconductor material. So a conductor is something that lets current flow through, and a resistor is something that reduces current flow, and a semiconductor is, like, kind of in between. And semiconductors is where a lot of, like, the cool electronics material science seems to be. It's, like, semiconductors are what lets cell phones and computers work, and they're part of, like, switches when you need when you need electronic components to like mm-hmm. turn things on and off or like do some things one way in some circumstances and then some things another way in other circumstances semiconductor materials can be doped that is a chemical term and that chemists use <laughs> when you like mix a material that is mostly one substance and then you like sprinkle in another to make it do something weird
3: mm-hmm. and
0: so like you take a semiconductor material And you dope it with some other elements. And that creates these things called electron holes, which are basically like positively charged atoms, I think, which (laughs) electrons are attracted to.
1: I think if they're charged, they got to be ions. But other than that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's good. If I only have one Hank correction in this whole time, I'm doing great. And so basically when an electron drops from a higher energy level to a lower energy level, it emits a photon. It can be like infrared light, it can be ultraviolet light or it can be in the visible spectrum that we see when photons hit our eyes, that's like visible light. And so when electrons are passed through this diode and fall into these holes that are created, then they emit light. And that is what an LED does. It runs electric current, it runs like pushes electrons through it and then they fall into these holes and then they emit light. And that's an LED. And depending on what the material this like holy semiconductor is made of, that lets the electrons drop in different amounts of energy and different discrete amounts of energy, which creates different colored photons. What? To our eyes.
3: Does it run out of stuff eventually? The stuff is the electrons. So there's always more electrons. Not not to worry about running out of those. And then a CFL is also just lighting stuff or heating stuff up really hot. Is that what they do? No,
1: CFLs are totally a different thing. They do a different thing. They are electrifying gas to create plasma, which then has electrons jumping up and down an energy level to emit the light. And I imagine like the gas in there is hot, but it's not, there's not as much gas and it is not as hot Mm -hmm. or something. I don't know. Maybe it's very hot or there's, and there's just not as much gas.
0: I think it's not as hot as an incandescent. I think that is... um, I know that
1: it's easier to touch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can tell you that. (laughs) Oh, When I was looking up information about this, one source said a filament has to be heated to over 850 Kelvin to emit visible light, which is like very, very hot. And I don't think you'd have to heat a gas because it's already like higher energy than a, a solid metal. Um, Just by being gas molecules floating around.
3: So if you could touch a filament, you would really fuck yourself up, basically?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Because even if you touch the outside glass nearby the filament that's just heated by radiant heat, you really like hurt your hand.
3: Back in the day when you could hurt your hand on a light bulb. Kids these days have it too easy.
1: There are ways that the world's gotten better. You can turn off a light and then unscrew it immediately. This is a wild idea to to me from 1998.
0: I just never replaced my light bulbs. You
1: don't have to anymore. They last forever. They used to, they used to burn out every six months. This makes
0: more sense. Because I was like, I've never experienced this. This like looking up, a light has gone out.
3: I'm so old. This is okay. <laughs> okay, bye. We're turning back into old us now. Ah,
1: final Sandbook scores. Sari's got one, Sam's got one, and Stefan and I come out tied. A very symmetrical episode. (laughs) All right, before we get to our butt fact, if you like this show and you want to help us out, it's very easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. That helps us know what you like about the show. Also, we look to iTunes reviews for topic ideas, so if you have any, you can leave those in the reviews. Second, tweet out your favorite moment from the show, and finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow tangents, just tell people about us. Thank you for joining. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the wonderful team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Rivardi. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire fire to be lighted.
3: But, one more thing. In 2017, researchers at Rice University bioengineered a strain of E. coli that fluoresces green when exposed to molecules present in inflamed colons. They fed the E. coli to mice with colitis and measured the amount of green fluorescence present in their poop using a flow cytometer, which is a a lab thing, I guess. They found that the more inflamed the mouse's colon was, the greener it glowed. And so they plan to adapt this into like a, a food additive or something you can take if you have colitis and uh, if you're a human being and not a mouse with colitis and it would help you monitor your colon health. Nice. They would probably change it so it wouldn't glow, but so it would release like a dye, I think is what they were saying. Like your poop would be blue and the bluer it was, the worse shape you were in or something like that.
1: I love that. I have colitis and Uh, I would love to have a better idea of how I'm doing. And I think it'd be great if it glowed. I think it would be more fun if it glowed. Yeah. What I want in general is to make it to the point, point in future when there is just something that I spit on once a
3: day, and it tells me how I am for the whole your whole body. Just and not body. Your, just your butt. The whole thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you swab yeah. both ends, and then <laughs> yeah. it tells you how you are. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or you just like, or you swallow a pill. It goes all the way through, yeah. and then when it comes out, it's like
0: beep 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 beep.
1: <laughs> and then you hold your phone over your toilet, and it's like beams <laughs> the information into your phone by by AirDrop. Do you have to get it like, out
0: of there? Yeah. Do you have to get? No. Is you just get, you flush pill? it. Just Flush oh, no. it. That seems expensive and it's yeah. like, some, like a, it's adding It's like to the a bezoar
1: where you just eat it over and over again? Uh-huh. Yeah. You
0: pass down your generational uh, health pill. <laughs> Here you go, Oren. This has my health from the last 60 years. <laughs>